Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, today on the podcast, I'm really excited to be chatting with Hugh Culver, a husband, father of two, business builder, and adventure lover. I've always admired Hugh as he moves from work, family, and fun each and every day with the same excited and optimistic step. In this episode, Hugh and I discuss the different phases of parenthood and how time commitments change and evolve as your children get older, creating habits in your day that turn into discipline, and cultivating change in your life. We also talk about the importance of one-on-one time with your kids and involving them in the decision process. At the end of the episode, Hugh asks everyone to look at one simple habit that you can do every day that's going to make you feel better. I'd love for you to email me at mikeatliveimmediately.com or leave a comment on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what your one simple habit was. I think it'd be really exciting to kind of see what, what everyone's little change was. Hugh is a fun guy that works at filling his life full of things that he enjoys. And to me, that's something worth working at. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hugh Culver. Hi, Hugh. How are you? Hey, Mike. Great. It's uh, great to connect. Uh, unreal. And um, whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today? So today I am in my home. I just raced back home to get on the call, uh, which is in Kelowna, British Columbia, on the west coast of Canada. We're in sort of uh, the Sun Belt, so I'm surrounded by fruit, uh, like uh, wine vineyards and uh, fruit orchards. Oh, beautiful. Well, hey, give, give me a fruit platter and a glass of wine any day. <laughs> and uh, But you, I, you, you've spent a bit of time out on the, the lake there lately. I know I, I love following you on Instagram and, and mm. seeing some of the, the beautiful adventures that you go on because you do love the outdoors. Right. So I, I got uh, – well, I've been a kayaker for many years, and um, but more recently I got um, started racing what's called a surf ski, which is a – sort of a sit on top. It's like an Olympic kayak and also outriggers. And, and, uh, and as of, I guess, three days ago, I'm now the president of our local club too. So I'm also running this really dynamic uh, operation, um, which is, um, we have a beautiful property right on the lake. And so I'm, I'm running that operation as well. Yeah. Oh, lovely. So just another thing to add into, into your mix, <laughs> which, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure will kind of, uh, you know, kind of leads me into one yeah. of the, the things that I wanted to really, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast, because apart from being a great human, you, um, you also seem to move effortlessly between work, fun and family. And I'm, I'm sure it might not always feel effortlessly or effortless, uh, for you. And, uh, perhaps we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later, but I guess before we kind of get stuck into everything today, Hugh, could you give me a bit of a, a bit of a blurb and a, a bit of a background of, of Hugh the one uh, of who the wonderful Hugh is? <laughs> okay, Mike. Yeah. So for sure. So I actually grew up in 
with an older brother who was really heavily involved in adventure tourism. So this is way back in the 70s, and he got me involved as a river guide. And that really was my first introduction to business. So we were running this business together, which became uh, the largest whitewater rafting company in Western Canada. And then we sold that, and I helped start a company in Antarctica after that, of all places. And that um, very quickly grew. And it, to this day, this company still is the only one in the world that operates on the Antarctic continent. So it was a very exotic, exciting, dangerous, uh, stressful three years where I was a partner and general manager. And, and, and my job was to go and buy airplanes and go and find customers that were going to pay us a small fortune. You know, most of our trips were 30, 40, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 dollars. And then very quickly we got into million dollar contracts with expeditions. And then after graduate school, I started to speak. So I got invited. People wanted to know about Antarctica. So I got invited to speak and I was completely clueless uh, of what to do. And now, you know, fast forward 22 years and um, I've helped raise a family with my wife and I help speakers to become profitable speakers. And I have a social media company that works with bloggers and I'm a speaker. So I have those three parts to my business. Oh, happy days. And, and you know, you talked there about the, uh, the company in Antarctica. Like how does, how does something like that come about? Like obviously it's mm. a, it was a first and there were so many unknowns in, mm -hmm. in, and then the environment <laughs> that you're kind of, mm. uh, you're playing in is so unknown. How does, how does, right. how does, all of that unknowingness kind of propel you forward? Like, is that the kind of person that you, you like to be kind of like sitting within that, that not knowing the outcome? Well, it's, see, that's a great question because, you know, it's, it's actually one of the, you know, it's one of my uh, blind spots is that I love to start things. And so when I was approached by friends and they had said, Hey, we just got back from Antarctica. We just climbed the highest mountain. Can you help us turn this into a tourism company? Can you help us? Like the project was to fly people to the pole, Mike. That was no one had ever done that before. So no one had ever sold tickets to fly to the pole, which is just, you know, incredibly ludicrous idea considering the politics down there and the distances. But I love to start. And one of my failings in a way is really I don't do much research. So I just jumped right in with both feet. Next thing I knew, I was, I, you know, I became a partner and I was financially invested. And the next thing I know, I was going to Antarctica. Like I was heading down, like within probably 60 days, I was on my way to go down and, and sail across to start uh, depoting fuel. So, and as I look through all these businesses that I've created, I've also, when my brother passed away, I created, uh, helped create a nonprofit charity in his memory. And for nine years, we ran youth leadership programs using sea kayaking as the um, as sort of the medium. And so again, I just jumped right in. And, uh, you know, as much as I have the training to be very uh, methodical and to do research, I, I hardly ever do because I just love the adventure of starting. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, I've had some some successes. You know, but, you know, I would say like with my current, my current business, so the social media business that I mentioned, there's nine people involved in that company. And 
you know, I literally, I did no research. I just knew there was something that I had an itch that needed to be scratched. And I thought, okay, there's lots of other people probably have the same thing. And now I've got nine people that are dependent on me, you know, for part or all of their income. And, um, you know, I'm at that point where I'm thinking, maybe I should have planned this out a little bit better. <laughs> but but I, th I think though, like with the planning, sometimes if we, if we do do a lot of research or if we do do a lot of planning, we actually, that's all we do. We don't do any doing. We kind of get stuck because we're just researching right. and planning and waiting for that, that right moment to kind of happen. And and that's sometimes the beauty of, of just starting. And I know you actually, one of your recent blog posts actually is, is, is about that exact point of just starting. Um, mm -hmm. and, and not getting bogged down in, in the, well, is this the right way of doing it? Is that the wrong way of doing it? Just, just do. Right. Very good. Yeah. And the example I used in that blog post was, uh, I'm, I've, I've been struggling for a while to write my second book. So my first book came out six years ago. It did very well and it's a national bestseller and it's been very profitable, et cetera, but also really good for my speaking business. And it's long overdue to write a second book. And I like writing. I, I love that whole process, but I've been really struggling, you know, so what I wrote about in the blog was I just pho phoned up this friend of mine that has, you know, he coaches authors and that got the ball rolling. And now, you know, I'm, I'm in the process and now I'm excited. I, I'm going to get going. So, so uh, the research still has to follow, but at least I did something mm -hmm. to get it started. And I think for a lot of people listening to this, you know, oftentimes we know what we need to do. So we want to, have more creative time in our life. We want to be more meditative. We want to build something and, or we want to get out of something. And usually we know what we need to do, but we humans are kind of hardwired to be careful and that can actually be a detriment. So that can actually get in your way if you let that run your life. Yeah, I I 100% agree there with you, Hugh. And it's, it's really, it's, you know, I, I, again, you know, we, we try to be cautious because we're maybe protecting kind of what we have mm -hmm. but you know if we do want to grow and change it will to grow and change we, we need to be doing different things mm -hmm. yeah very good right yeah and and we learn through experience mm -hmm. right so we learn you know you can read all you want but but it's when you step out there and pick up the phone or you walk into that room or you sign up for that conference then we learn and now we're much more educated because of that, of that learning. Um, and it's just weird how long we wait before we take that first step. Like it's, you know, in mm -hmm. hindsight, we see that that was, you know, we could have done it so much faster. We see that it was all waiting for us. Like the, everything was there waiting for us. You know, you make that phone call and you're super nervous and you realize, wow, that was actually great. Like mm -hmm. that person really was happy to hear from me. And, um, and why did I wait so long? So I think that, uh, just to try to understand that that hesitation is there and then to face it is really an important skill to try and figure out. And you talked there about, you know, learning from experiences and, you know, I guess as parents where we're pulled in all of these different directions, we have work commitments, family commitments, after school activities, and, and God forbid, if we wanted to add any personal time into that mix. But, you know, as you've mentioned, you, you do run a number of businesses. You, you've got some kids that are in their early 20s. You're married and you love adventure and spend a lot of your spare time outdoors. And we all have this, you know, the same amount 
of hours in each day. And I love it, Hugh, that you seem to squeeze every every minute out of yours. And and I know you've you're probably doing that now in this stage of your life because of those things and those experiences that that you have learned. But but I guess what I really kind of want to know is like what what's what's your secret there? Like how what what are you doing or what are you what what have you learned to enable you to to squeeze as much out of each day? Mm, yeah, that's a great that's a tough one. It's a great question. Um, so, uh, I mean, I know I'm pretty driven, so I like to accomplish things and I like to get things going and to, to create success. And so that, that does definitely does drive me, but also, I mean, I think I, you know, Mike, I think I gravitate towards stuff that I just like doing. Like I, you know, I enjoy it. And, you know, I, I guess an example is that for many years I was a sort of a classroom workshop leader. And that was great when the kids were young and it definitely paid the bills and it was very successful. And I had all sorts of uh, people involved with that business, other trainers and coaches and office staff. And we were, you know, our contracts were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more complex. But I realized that it wasn't me, like it wasn't me to be spending so much time administering Mm. this kind of complicated project. And every time I wrote a proposal for a contract, I was thinking to myself, I don't really want to do this. Like it was (laughs) just spreadsheets and rollout and, you know, X number of coaching hours and commitments. And at that point, I was um, I was presenting 110 times a year and I was running this company. And so uh, that's when I decided to just really just you know look at what do i enjoy doing and and i didn't enjoy doing that but i enjoyed the speaking i I enjoyed being on stage Mm -hmm. and so that next year i just reached out to people i knew and i said look i'm making a change in my business i'm not going to do workshops anymore and uh also in addition i want to help you to grow your business. So I've been successful growing mine. I want to help you grow yours. And that's when I got into working with other speakers. And I, it was just a crazy idea. I just reached out to them. I came up with this huge price tag because I thought, well, if we're going to work together for a year, you know, in, in hindsight, it's tiny compared to what people charge nowadays. But to me, it was a big, big dollar. And um, I got seven people. They signed up and we, we worked together for a year. And it was a great way for me to learn about coaching and about being accountable and putting together curriculum for my peers as opposed to curriculum for, you know, delegates and, mm-hmm. and staff in some company I don't know anything about and you know, that kind of stuff, right? So it was really a different relationship and it was and it just totally fit for me. And that starting that educated me, that that taught me. And so I think that whenever there's a like an uh, you know, an itch in my life, I just look at, well, what do I like doing? And then, you know, gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. And I could say the same thing with, you know, my, my love of writing and blogging, you know, uh, my love of working inside teams. Like I seem to always be able to recreate those sorts of things because I just simply like doing them. Yeah. And it's like, you, you spoke there a, a few times about, doing things that you like and doing things that you enjoy. And, and, and it sounds so simple to be, Hey, go out and, and fill your life doing things that you love and enjoy. Why do you think so many people struggle to do that? Well, I'll tell you one, one thing that's really changed, you know, because I've seen many 
phases in business growth. Like, you know, remember that when I got into business, people were reading people like, you, you know, uh, you know, Drucker and Peters, and they were reading very heady leadership stuff. And now what I see people reading is Gary Vaynerchuk and, mm. you know, Michael Hyatt and who are all great people. And, you know, on your side of the world, it'd be people, you know, like Darren Rouse. And, and so what I think's happened is that, um, we're being sold a bill of goods, which is that it kind of comes from people who are saying, look, I did it. Now you can too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's different than the way that leadership or self-development used to be sold. You remember it used to be that you'd sit down and read a book and then you would interpret from that book. Okay. This might be my experience that I can you know, I can project my experience out of this book. Maybe you go and listen to that person speak, maybe even on audio. Well, now, you know, anywhere you turn, you can find all sorts of people telling you this is a better way of doing things. And I think that what happens then is that a lot of people fall into this trap of thinking I can do that too. And, you know, like when I work with someone, there's a really, you know, simple thing that I will ask them. I'll say, look, before you start jumping into starting to create, say, a lot of content, because you think that's really important for you, do you like do you like speaking? Do you like writing? Or do you like visual? Like, do you like being in front of a camera? Because if you don't like those things, it doesn't matter what the guru tells you, you're not going to like it. Like, it's going to, it's going to suck. Like, it's going to be, it's going to be bad quality. You're not going to be consistent. It's going to be a completely anxiety creating. And so I think that we just need to be careful who we're listening to because, um, because the 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 medium is changed now we can listen to everybody in an instant we can get all this advice right so and all of these people you know we really don't know how successful they are their life may be a complete disaster but online they look incredibly successful and so we just need to be careful who we listen to but secondly we need to be very conscious of what do i like doing you know and if you if you don't like some of the stuff that people are proposing don't go down that mm-hmm. road because you know, this is when I see blogs that haven't been updated in six months, you know, or I see people that have YouTube channels and there's like three YouTube videos and they've been, they've been sort of influenced to think they should be doing something and it's probably really created a lot of stress for them and it, and it hasn't succeeded. And I, I guess to like broadening uh, that discussion a little bit further, we seem to be doing a, a lot in our days that, that don't really matter. And, and even if we've come to that realization, which is a, which is a big step in itself, it's mm-hmm. still hard to change or, or maybe a better way of saying that is it's, it's easier to stay the same, you know, if we're kind of mm-hmm. trying to create that change in our life. But how did, mm-hmm. how did you go about creating change in your life? Mm-hmm. Well, so there's been, uh, you know, lots of different phases. And so when, when my, um, my daughters were young. A lot of what I did was around town, like around home where we live, which, you know, we live in this amazing part of the world. It's, it's got everything I'd ever want for, you know, adventure and outdoor experiences, but also everything we need for a family. So a lot of it was around, you know, home. And then um, I always had an office out of the home. So that was really important for me to have that separation. And um, that that's when we I created change. And then um, you know, like I, I kind of go through these phases where I start building something up and it reaches a certain point where I realize 
you know, I don't want it anymore. Like with the, with the, with the teaching in the classrooms and moving more towards, um, working with other speakers and, and speaking on stage and change that. And this year I made another big change in my business in terms of the people, the personnel in the, in the business and also changing and downsizing our office commitment. So, um, so that I could work more remotely because I'd like to start I'd like to start working, um, you know, from around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Go on trips and, and work from that. So I didn't want as big of an office commitment. Yeah. So a lot of these things, they aren't instant. Like they, you know, I have to think them through and start to figure out what I need to do. Um, uh, you know, next year is going to be a very unusual year for me, Mike. So this is my year turning 60. And mm-hmm. so I want to, first of all, I'll be doing research for a book based on that whole um, experience of, you know, turning into your 60s. But also, I want to be just incredibly conscious of how I spend my time, you know, even more than what I am now. Like, I really, you know, when, um, when I have a, you know, when I when I have a great day, it's because I really took care of myself and protected my time. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, sorry. And well, I was going to say, and when I'm on social media all day or when I'm distracted, you know, that's, I don't feel like I've had a good day. Like, I just feel like someone else was pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you know, we're talking about days now, like some of the things you spoke there about were, were big moments. But when we talk about, you know, the day or the now or, the, or, or this kind of week, like a small, smaller period of time, what are some of the practices or habits that you've formed that you believe have had a strong impact on how you, you do manage your time? Mm, yeah, great. Um, well, and as you know, Mike, right, I'm a big, big advocate of habits turning into discipline and that whole relationship. And I think just just on that for a moment, you know, there's there's been some fantastic work uh, done around habit research and but more specifically on how it relates to willpower and discipline. And so once I understood that, it made so much sense to why habits have become so important in my life, but also where I need to be looking in my life. So what I mean by that is because I'm an ambitious guy, I need a lot of willpower to get stuff done. Like I have to pick up the phone. I have to, you know, I have to get meetings happening with my team. I have to make decisions around our money. And um, that requires a lot of willpower. But also during the day, I'm going to head off and go for a really hard workout on the lake, you know, And, and I'm, you know, we're, we're usually training for races and it's really hard work. And, and plus I'm going to want to go down and do some yoga and I want to write. And so all of that requires willpower. And so stepping backwards, what drives willpower, it turns out is actually practicing habits because when you practice habits, what happens is you build a muscle, which is the metaphor for willpower. And so in my life, I realized, Oh, you know, what drives a lot of my success is actually creating content. Okay, well, as I mentioned earlier, what do I like doing? Well, actually, my preference for creating content is first writing, and then secondly, video, and then third is audio. So, okay, writing. Well, I need to develop a habit around writing because there's no way I'm going to get anything done writing-wise if I just wait till I have enough time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I started, I started looking at my sleep habits. I said, well, when do I write the best? Well, it's first thing in the morning. Okay, well, then staying up late is not going to work because I'm not going to get up early. So then I decided to go to bed earlier and then get up earlier. And so I started to develop a habit of getting up at five o'clock in the morning and, and then writing for two hours. And so 
In other words, I want more willpower in my life. I want to be able to make great decisions. Well, how does that happen? Well, you got to actually practice good habits. So what's a habit I need? Well, I, it, it turns out that that's one of them. And so that's that's been going on now for you know five or six years. And at the same time, um, I decided you know uh, to uh, I wanted to stop drinking coffee. Um, I decided to, to only take cold showers. I and these are just some of these are just kind of quirky I, things. Um, so 10 years ago, I stopped drinking alcohol completely. And so partially I did that for my health, but also I did it because I, I, I believe that the more that I overcome temptation and the more that I master building and practicing habits, then the more willpower I have to get done what I want to get done in life. Mm. Right. And, um, that writing one has been instrumental. Like that has changed the game for me as far as my, as far as my business goes. And, you know, the other ones, some of them are just kind of fun ones, but you know, I, but that's how I do it is I look at my habits. And when, you know, with these habits that, you know, the writing habits or you, you want to stop mm. coffee and alcohol and, and they're about your health. How have you, like, do you still have those kind of same habits when it comes to like family time and kind of, combining all of that or is it like hey here are the things that i need to get done and i get them done and then everything all the, the all the excess time is is my my fun and family time yeah um more that's yeah I, i'd say that there's less habits around the family uh, time first of all our girls don't need us as much right now they're you know one's they're they're, they're fine right they're one's one's in the middle of university one just graduated university and has a job and they don't even live in our city anymore so they don't need us anymore as much. And we go over and see them every month. My wife is with them right now. So that's not as, as big of a need. And then with my wife, it's much more flexible based on when we're both in town and, uh, you know, want to hang out together. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say most of my habits are around um, the things that I want to get done. Um, and, you know, so, for example, at my office – so one of my habits is that when there's something on the calendar, then I stand up just before that event and I start moving towards that event. So, for example, yoga is usually at noon. Well, noon is when I'm actually really busy. I've got a lot of stuff on the go and there's fires burning. And But I stand up 15 minutes before yoga and I grab my bag and I walk out the door because I know if I don't, I'm not going to get to yoga. Mm. And so... One of my habits is if it goes on the calendar, then I stand up just before that thing is ready to happen or it's on the calendar. And then I just start taking action towards that, whether that's a conference call or a meeting or going to yoga. So, yeah. And, and like with these habits, you know, at, at the beginning, was it hard to, to stick with them and kind of build that habit? Like, is that, you know, at the end of the day, when you talk about habits becoming discipline, they only become disciplined because you, you there's that consistency with them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and and sometimes because you know a lot mm -hmm. of people listening to this podcast they've kind of got the education in a sense they 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 know of the certain things that they might need to be doing they know they need to go to bed earlier and or, or whatever it is in their life and they might be able to start certain things for a week mm -hmm. but it's that consistency to kind of build that mm -hmm. willpower how did you like did you have any slip ups or, and, and if you did, how'd you kind of like bounce back? Yeah, it's great. Well, everybody slips up and I think that it's kind of like meditation. 
you know, any meditation teacher is going to tell you that when your mind starts to wander, just allow it, you know, recognize and then draw it back, you know, come, come back, but don't beat yourself up and, and don't quit. And so like, I'm convinced Mike that it's, these are habits are really building blocks for any kind of success you want to create in your life, whether that's with your kids, your husband, your wife, you know, your home, your money, it, it's, it comes down to habits and I think that for a lot of us, we're kind of lazy around habits because we've we've got this track record of breaking commitments and then having three reasons why that was okay. So in answer to your question, like what I try to focus on is what's the reward? So, you know, what am I going to get from that? Well, I know when I go to the gym, like I just feel great when I come out. Like I, I, I focus on that as I'm parking my car. I'm gonna feel great. I focus on that when I'm, when I'm just about to say, eh, I'll blow by, I'll blow it by and go home. So I know that when I come out of that gym, I've had, a, I've had a great workout, a shower. I feel fantastic. The entire process is 45 minutes from car to car. So, so it's a tiny commitment in my day, and yet I feel amazing. I know that when I stand up at seven o'clock in the morning and go and call my dog and grab his leash, and I'm done with my writing, I feel fantastic. Like, I just feel great, even if I didn't finish what I set out to finish, because I kept the commitment, and I got something done. And so I look forward to that. So as I'm boiling my tea in the morning, I'm thinking to myself, it's going to feel great at seven o'clock when I stand up, having got, you know, having got this project moved forward. And so I'm always trying to remember, remind myself, what's the reward? You know, it's no different than going to the office. Like last week I had at least 12 people I had to phone. And, you know, I was hesitating because I thought, oh, they're probably busy. You know, I don't want to bother them. And um, I was just following up to an offer that I'd I'd made to them and I I hadn't heard back from them. And I just said, well, you know what? It's going to feel amazing when I get those crossed off my list. Like it's going to feel great when those are done. So I focused on the reward, sat down, made the phone calls. Turns out people were quite happy to hear from me. People were thanking me for calling. It was a completely different experience mm. than what I expected. But it starts by looking at the reward. Mm. Uh, it, 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 the fears or, or that, that negative talk, that, that negative outcome that we've created in our mind, it just doesn't happen half the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely true. Yeah, and and yeah. You, you spoke earlier too of you, you girls are in their early twenties. How have th- how have things changed? You know, you've kind of gone through, you know, them being, uh, you know, the the preschool kind of years and the primary school years, the secondary, high school, and and now they're in that, you know, that they they're, they're leaving home. How is how is being able to kind of juggle your time and prioritize your time kind of changed with those different phases? Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's a great question because that first uh, first winter when they were off to university was pretty strange. Like, my wife and I just kept looking at each other, saying, "Oh, so this is it? Like, this is <laughs> this is what we've worked so hard for? It, we really missed them." So there was uh, because they were going to university in Victoria, which is of course on Vancouver Island, and um, so we missed them. Yeah, and and but also it was uh, an incredible amount of time that it freed up because we were no longer going to sports and performances and driving them around and all that sort of stuff. So, so it really freed us up. And I, and I would say I really wasted that time. Like I was not as disciplined with then replacing 
replacing that time because it was little bits of time all over the map that were no longer required. So little bits of coming home earlier, driving someone here, dental appointments, whatever it was, those just disappeared immediately. But it wasn't so obvious that I suddenly had three hours of my day available. So, but I, I did find that halfway through that winter, I really did knuckle down and just get back into what I wanted to do. And that made a huge difference. And it's not, I wasn't trying to be selfish. I was just, I was just trying to feel better about the loss, right? The loss mm. of our kids. And um, yeah, so what made me feel better was to get, to get on top of my schedule. So what do I want my day to look like? Like, what do I want to, how do I want to feel during my day? So what makes me happy? And, um, and also what do I want to uh, accomplish? Right? So, you know, when you, as you know, Mike, like when you got little kids running around, it's, um, pretty easy to justify putting stuff off because, that's a huge reward. Like mm -hmm. it's a fantastic reward to spend great time with your kids, you know? And so when that's no longer required of you, I think, um, it's kind of depressing, you know, like you kind of need to pull up your shorts and say, okay, um, what do I want now? You know, because now I can start asking those questions and, um, yeah, but it's a phase in life, right? It's yeah. it's really it's actually pretty exciting, you know. And and I love now hearing about their adventures, and I love hearing about what's going on in their life, and and it's just, um, you know, and and then I get to share what's going on in my life, right? So mm -hmm. it's 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 like two really great friends getting getting on a phone call together. And, and what's something that you know now as a parent to twenty year olds that you wish you knew when your kids were younger? Well. There's so many things, but so one thing that, um, in our case, you know, two kids. So one thing that I, I learned was I needed one-on-one -on -one time. And so one-on-one -on -one time with my kids was hugely important. And I actually came up with this little routine. I don't know if I ever told you this, Mike, but like when the kids were about 10, I started taking them on separate adventures in the summer. And usually four days or five days. And so one of my girls likes hiking. So we would go to the mountains and then with backpacks and, and tents and, or, or cabin going, you know, and stay in cabins. And then, um, and the other one likes the ocean. So paddling. So we would go uh, kayaking. And so we did that every summer. And then when we came home, I would, I would make this big collage of all of these fancy, you know, funny pictures of us goofing around on the trip. And then I would give that to them on their next birthday. And usually there was like a map in the background showing the route we took. And, but that one-on-one -on -one time really changed, um, the relationship I have with my girls and, which is kind of funny, right? Cause you think, well, family time is mm. great, right? And we've taken our kids to like Nicaragua and, you know, all over Mexico and, the States and Hawaii and, you know, and so we've had some great family trips with the kids, but I find one-on-one -on -one actually has probably been the most important change that's like, it's, it's led to the best changes in our relationship mm -hmm. as far as how I, how I now hang out with this adult that I call my daughter, you know, and, um, yeah. And, so and, was, and like, you know, within that one-on-one -on -one time, are, are they, uh, are they opening up about different things or is it really just cementing that, that father daughter bond? So when they need to talk to you about something important later in life, they know that, that you're, you're there. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's both of those things. So yeah, there's there's definitely, you, you know, one of the things that happens is, as you know, when you're on a trip, is you've got to make all sorts of decisions. And when there's only one other person, you're making those decisions together. Mm. And so I always treated them like, you know, co-leader of the trip. We'd look at the map together. We'd figure out our route. We got into all sorts of like trouble. You know, one trip where we had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. You know, <laughs> so. So we got in, it was real adventure stuff. And, um, so there is, there's, there's the decision-making that, that happens. And at the same time, I think there's a lot of just hanging out and confiding, you know, like I would always treat them like a friend. So I would not, you know, I would talk at the level I would talk, you know, to a friend with. And I think that, um, yeah, it just it just something magical happens when when that goes on. And I think there's this incredible bond because we've shared this experience together. Like we figured it out together and mm. and um, overcome you know the weather challenges, the fatigue, you know, and because um, these were always hard trips, right? These were always you know um, either big distances or straight up. And um, yeah, so it's pretty magical. I'd 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 say it's a combination of both of those things. It's it's interesting that you talk there about allowing them to kind of make certain decisions. I know that when when we went on our big trip, and at that stage, Andy was only four, and and I would spend a lot of the time during the day just Andy and I. But even when it was uh, Inga involved as well, Andy always had a voice in kind of what we were doing and, and obviously being four there maybe she wasn't part of every single decision but even now just through our day-to-day or if we're going doing something on the weekend involving them in that decision it makes them I guess invested and part of the outcome and what I've learned is that if the outcome isn't always the best Andy doesn't complain as much because she well, she was part of the decision process in in getting us there if that makes any sense yeah that's really good yeah of course it does yeah that's great yeah but uh, great. I've, it's a very I've, much, yeah. sorry well i'm just saying it's it's a really um it's a i think a great way to uh mature a child you know like one one of, one of our go- our goals raising our kids was that they were going to be really strong individuals who could take care of themselves obviously right and so we wanted them to be in the practice of taking care of themselves, like making decisions and not waiting for us to open the door and, you know, uh, being able to go into a store and ask for something or, you know, whatever, whatever was required. We really wanted that to happen. We did not want them hanging on to us. And so I think, yeah, a big part of that is getting them to start making decisions and, and see what that's like, right? See how that, how that, uh, what falls out of that. But uh, I've got one final question for you today, Hugh, and you kind of were touching on it a a little bit earlier, and it it is one question that I ask all of my guests on the podcast, and that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Ah, oh, right. Well, I actually just had it on Friday again. So, okay, my perfect day, get up at five, uh, you know, uh, write for two hours on whatever project I'm writing on. I always always prepare the night before with just a few notes, so I, I get focused walk my dog, then head off to the gym. So uh, the dog takes about 40 minutes and head off to the gym and then to my office and then yoga at lunch and then um, work for the afternoon and then head down to the uh, paddle center, and, which is two blocks away from my office and then go for a paddle. You know, so that's 
perfect day. Like, so in other words, I'm physically active all day, but I'm working quite um, intentionally in between those bouts of, of work. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's a perfect day for me. And then I'm, you know, I'm in the sack by 930 and reading till 10. So yeah, that's a perfect day. Happy days. Beautiful and simple. <laughs> uh, but um, Hugh, thank you so much for, for having a chat today and also for, for being such a, a, a beautiful mentor in my own life. So th- thank you very much for that. And if people do want to reach out to you and, and uh, if they've got a few questions or, or anything like that, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, thanks, Mike. So the best is just to go to my name. So it's HughCulver.com. So H-U-G-H. C-U-L-V-E-R.com. And they can find my blog there and they can reach out to me through email through that uh, website. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from them. Oh, beautiful. I will make sure that that along with um, some of the other bits and pieces that we've spoken about are, are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. But uh, before we go, is there any final comments, anything that I've, I've left out before we say our goodbyes? Well, I know it's going to sound really, no, I, I mean, you've done a great job, Mike, really. And I love your podcast and it's, I'm, I'm a loyal listener. Um, I, I don't want to make, I don't want this thing around habits to sort of take over the whole, you know, interview, right, which I've enjoyed so much. But I do think, and maybe just in the last five years when I've been looking more at, at the power of habits, but I would really encourage whoever's listening to this is just to look at one simple habit that you can do every day, super simple, that's going to make you feel better. And whatever that habit is, it's going to make you feel better. And that could be something as simple as, you know, one of mine that I love is as soon as I wake up, I drink a glass of water while the tea is boiling. So that's, you know, that's a habit. And now I've just added in, I, I, um, as soon as I wake up, I stretch. And then I drink water. So whatever that habit is that makes you feel better, to me, that is power. And that power will turn into willpower. And then that willpower will turn into whatever you want it to be. And your friends and colleagues will be, they'll notice the difference. They'll notice the difference. And so I really encourage you as you're listening to this, just think, okay, what's a habit I could create? Really simple, every day that has an obvious reward that makes me feel better. Love it. I really do. So, I'll um I'll be I'll email you what my uh what my uh big habit is. So um it'll be great. Perfect. But, uh, Perfect. Thanks again, Hugh, and thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.